Hi, friends. Join us as we dive into the themes, metaphors, and foreshadowing of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. With both a spoiler and spoiler-free analysis, there's something here for everyone. We are your hosts, Leah, Sarah, Tabby, and whether you're a new viewer or a longtime fan, welcome to Becoming Buffy. Hi, friends. Welcome back to Becoming Buffy. Oh my goodness. We are talking about consequences today. And we were just talking before the pod about how meaty of an episode this is. And I think that this is probably the heaviest episode of season three. I mean, Bad Girls was pretty heavy as well, but this one, it just, it's got a lot of stuff. I feel like every episode is just weighty. Well, I mean, even me and Tabby were talking about, um, because I was just like finishing up the episode and stuff, and I just was like, whoa, like it's still going. Like the episode itself feels like a whole season. Like yeah. and not in like a not in like a bad way of like, oh my gosh, it's awful to watch and you know, it's so long, but more of like a oh my gosh, like there's so much in here. Like it is so much. And you could come out of that episode being like, what is going on? Yeah, I think in a lot of ways, this episode is the first time, or maybe not the first time, but it was the first time it hit me at least that, wow, we're we're fully done talking about everything that happened in season two. Like we are like full-fledged into season three. Like the mayor is here now. We're into Faith's dark arc, all that stuff. And so I think that it just is, it's just fun to finally be getting into the meat of season three. Finally, here we are, like the last third of the season. <laughs> I know. It's crazy. All right, so let's jump in because there is a lot to talk about, as always. So this episode was written by Marty Noxon, in case you guys, you know, couldn't tell. It feels like a Marty Noxon episode. Surprise. I know, right. It's been a while since she has her trademark in this episode. She really yeah, she kind of does, huh? Uh, directed by Michael Gersham, which I was really excited about because he's the director of photography for the show, which is why this episode, I feel like there's just something about it, the way it's lit, the way it's shot. Um, it's very special. The last time he directed an episode was actually for Passion, which was his directorial debut. Um, so I get really excited anytime I see that he's the director of an episode. And it aired February 16th, 1999. All right. So although credited, Seth Green does not appear in this episode. Um, the actor was away filming his scenes as Scott Evil in Austin Powers, The Spy Who Shagged Me. This is the only time and only episode during season three that a main character is absent. So Doug Petrie, he was the writer for the episode right before in Bad Girls. He talked about how Bad Girls and Consequences are basically part one and part two. Um, and I don't know if you guys noticed this, but it kind of just clicked while I was watching it this time that this episode and the one before it are season three's Surprise and Innocence. We had um, Angel go dark in surprise slash innocence. And in this one, this is faith kind of going dark. And as we go through and walk through the episode, there's going to be many, many parallels between this episode, not just structurally, but also even kind of tonally. So Douglas Petrie says this, 
Faith brings out a lot of stuff that sooner or later Buffy was going to have to deal with. What I like about Faith is that she's a character that forces you to take the whole premise seriously. That episode, Bad Girls, enabled us to get into that idea that, like it or not, whether they're good guys or bad guys, Buffy is a professional killer. We've gotten a lot of mileage out of the juxtaposition of Buffy being a blonde Southern Californian high school student who's also a professional killer of bad non-human things. But she kills. That's her job. And what the episode got to do was take an unflinching look at this dark side of what it is they do. There's one scene in which Faith says we're killers and Buffy says, no, we're slayers. There's a difference. But is there? So we got to really go pretty far with that. Faith's idea of what they are isn't entirely accurate for Buffy. It's not wrong. That's what I love about Faith. She's not wrong. She's saying, let's call us what we are. We're killers. And Buffy has a hard time with that. So we've talked a lot about how Faith is Buffy's slayer shadow side. But what does that mean specifically? So in Jungian psychology, I think it's Jungian. I could be butchering it. Um, The shadow or shadow aspect is a part of the unconscious mind consisting of repressed weaknesses, shortcomings, and instincts. Everyone carries a shadow, Jung wrote, and the less it is embodied in the individual's conscious life, the blacker and denser it is. It may be in part one's link to more primitive animal instincts. According to Jung, the shadow in being instinctive and irrational is prone to projection, turning a personal inferiority into a perceived moral deficiency in someone else. Cordelia specifically asks for a psychology book. She asks for uh, Freud and Jung when coming into the library. So this episode is very heavily leaning into that shadow side and self, um, which I think is really important to think about and remember when watching this episode that um, we've talked a lot about, I think we really saw it, especially in Helpless, where, you know, Buffy turns 18. There's this whole thing about how she's a little bit sexually frustrated. She wants to have a deeper relationship and a full relationship with Angel, and she can't because of the curse. And so I think that Faith being more overtly sexual than Buffy, but also being Buffy's shadow side, is supposed to kind of show Buffy's repressed sexuality, the fact that um, Faith is so overtly sexual is supposed to contrast the fact that Buffy is – or show that Buffy is supposed to be um, suppressing that sexuality, Um, amongst other things. But that's what comes across as most obviously or more obviously. So from Mark Field's book, Myth, Metaphor, and Morality, making choices requires that you accept the consequences of those choices. From the chapter on lie to me, committing yourself means that your actions become something that I myself own up to, become responsible for. Existentialists don't get to make excuses or invent new rules that apply uniquely to them. Those are just attempts to avoid responsibility rather than accept it. As long as Faith is lying about the incident, she's acting in bad faith under any definition of morality. And yes, I do think her name was intentionally chosen for its resonance with that concept. So we've talked a little bit about a few philosophical arguments, and today we're going to talk about utilitarianism. I think we've talked about it before. I can't remember. It all gets kind of muddled. But just as a reminder, utilitarianism is um, basically like choose the act in a circumstance that would produce a greater balance of benefit, advantage, pleasure, good, or happiness to those involved over mischief, pain, evil, unhappiness to those involved. Essentially is do something that produces the greater good in the greatest number of people. For example, in Revelations, Xander argues that lots of dead people constitutes a reason to kill Angel. 
one human soul dying, angels, is better than many human souls dying, his potential victims. If Xander can show that it is likely that Angel will lose his soul again, then on utilitarian grounds, Angel should die to save the possible consequences of Angelus's reemergence. And this is something we talked a lot about in season two, and I love that it's kind of getting pulled into season three. So utilitarianism is directly opposed to Kant. According to Kant, the morality of an action is not based on its consequences, but on motivations. Hence, this theory belongs to deontological moral theories. Deontological theories are those that focus on ethics involving responsibility, moral duty, and commitment. Buffy's argument in this episode about Alan's death is very Kantian. So the Cliff Notes version is, Kantianism emphasizes that the morality of an action is not determined by its consequences, but by motivation, while utilitarianism emphasizes that morality is determined by the consequences of an action decision, not by motivation. So uh, as we go through the episode and through the rest of the series and the season and all that, look out for these two opposing viewpoints, utilitarianism and Kantian philosophies. They kind of go head head to head a lot in the show. And I find that um, Joss does a good job of trying to balance the two out, but more often than not, the show falls on the side of Kant. Kant is the one where it's like each individual matters rather than the, as a whole. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Yep. I feel like I'm being quizzed. <laughs> so I thought that was really interesting. I love that it talks a lot about consequences because not to get like too meta here, but I'm like, oh, okay, consequences. We all know what this episode's about. Like it makes sense. But just to know that it's not just the title of the episode, like it's not just supposed to be the repercussions of bad girls while it is, but it's also supposed to be, hey, like we're talking about like actual philosophical ideas here and consequences is a huge aspect and idea of that. So I thought that was kind of like a neat little tie-in. So anyway, okay, philosophy class is over for now. Your turn, Tabby. (laughs) Consequences, season three, episode 15. I will say, so this starts out in one of Buffy's prophetic dreams. This is one of my favorite prophetic dreams. I think it's interesting. The dream starts out with Alan Finch being the one who's pulling her down. But it's like, in reality, it's Faith who's pushing her under the water. Mm -hmm. Well, Faith is pushing her under the water with Alan. So it's like, it's your fault. You have to stay there. Whereas like, I can be up here and dry and not die. And you have to take the fall for it and be there with him. I love the whole symbolism of water just in in the show, but particularly with Buffy, because I mean, she drowned in Prophecy Girl. And then in Bad Girls, we had like her like attempted drowning. And then, you know, obviously this is such an overt metaphor for Faith as Buffy's shadow self. And Rain is often used very symbolically in the Buffy verse. Like, remember in um, Surprise and Innocence when Angel stumbles mm-hmm. out into the rain and then becomes Angelus? It symbolizes change a lot in the show. Well, when you said this kind of like mirrored a lot of like um, Surprise or Innocence too, I, I don't know what the first – I mean, there's so many other parallels. But like the first thing I thought of was like, oh, someone f- – was like flown over the dock and both um, surprised and into this episode. <laughs> so dumb. It's I know really this weird. really is the only times we see the dock. Um, and I know like we've talked briefly about it. Like some people argue that Faith is the love interest replacement for Angel in season three um, just because like structurally. Really? Well, because structurally, like more in a metaphorical sense, but like structurally oh. the way, well, I guess even literal too. Uh, well, I, th- I think that she kind of like um, brings out and tempts the sexual side of her. Um, not necessarily with faith, but her kind of like 
being like, hey, like don't repress how you're feeling. Yeah. But I think that Buffy is repressing that because it's supposed to be kind of tied in with her dangerous side because she's like, I, I'm repressing that. But also she's been dry with Angel this whole season. I definitely read that there could be sexual undertones. Mm-hmm. But I think that if anything else, like I think Buffy's pretty uh, preoccupied with Angel this season. I think that I don't view it as her with Faith. I think it's Faith. She's tempting that side of her that's in Faith's brain that is tied to slain. And Buffy's trying to go cold turkey or just trying to view it in one sense. Mm -hmm. And so Faith is kind of trying to bring that side of slaying and herself out of her, um, which Buffy's terrified that it's going to be like a gateway into other things. Right. And here's the thing. Since Faith is the shadow side, she is still a part of Buffy. Like she has aspects that are a part of Buffy. And I think at this point, Buffy is afraid to embrace some of those things because she thinks that means she'll stray all the way to the other end, the opposite end of it. And so she's trying to cut all of it out when she just can't. That's part of who she is. And so if you see it as Faith being in love with Buffy um, or like – you see that as not just um, subtext, but actual text. I totally understand where you would be coming from. For me, I see it as subtext. They wrote Faith to be seductive um, as a subtext of, hey, Buffy, like power and darkness can be alluring. Are you going to choose that? I mean, this whole episode we said is all about choices. And so Buffy's having to decide if that's what kind of slayer she wants to be, you know? Well, and I I also don't think it's just power. I think it's – I think that – Faith has a freedom about her yeah. that Buffy doesn't have. She has the mm-hmm. freedom to not get in trouble. Like she has the freedom to, mm-hmm. to not care and all this stuff, whereas Buffy can't. And so I don't think it's power that she desires from Faith. I think it's the ability to not be held accountable. Yeah. Right. Well, I think that's a, that's an abuse of power. Somebody who thinks that they they don't have to be held accountable is someone who thinks that they're above the law. And I mean, there's that conversation at the end of the series. So I think you are right, Leah. I think it, but I think it does like stem back to power and stuff. I think that's what makes that's what makes like this show so fun to talk about. Hence why we wanted to start a podcast because there is a blend between text and subtext a ton. Yeah, and so it it kind of contrives a ton of interesting conversations. Um. And that's why, like, it's just – I think that all the listeners out there that know a lot about the fandom, the fandom is probably the most split fandom I've ever experienced. Just from what I've observed, I think that the people just have very polarizing ideas or how they see the show. Because um, I think it, it could blend itself into different stages of life or um, people can take things for, for what it is or for only the subtext for – the supernatural, the normal life blending, like there's just a lot that you could take out of this show. With subtext, there's there's room for interpretation. Yeah, there's room for interpretation, but also kind of like putting yourself in that situation and seeing yourself in, in there as well, which is what art is supposed to do. It's kind of – it's an invite. Right. That's what I was going to say. The cool thing about this is that if you choose to see subtext as text, text as subtext, you're not wrong because the beauty of the show and the beauty of art is you can see it how you want to, you know? Um, And I think that 
it is good to know what the writer's intentions were and even like the actor's intentions were because it does help inform where the show is, was trying to go. But also like Joss has admitted too, and we talked about this last last episode, he didn't mean for there to be a whole lesbian subtext in there, but then he went back and was like, yeah, it is there. So sometimes things happen even without the writers intending it. And I think that it's good to recognize that. All right. That's all we have to talk about. Yeah. That's the whole episode. Goodness. Oof. Um, so Buffy kind of walks out of a bedroom after the nightmare and sees that Joyce is watching the news. We see the mayor is kind of having this speech about Alan wanting him to come back, saying there's going to be huge consequences. Again, this is the first, or I guess not the first, but one of the first instances of how this episode kind of mirrors surprise. Because you remember when Buffy did, walked out of her room almost in the exact same shot and Drusilla appears around the corner and then we go into that prophetic dream in the bronze. But this whole library scene, it's like Wesley comes in, is, you know, telling them they need to fight, figure out what's happening with, like, the mayor and Alan. And to be fair, like, I understand, like, everyone's point of view being like, this has nothing to do with them. Yeah. There's, um, again, uh, parallels between Giles and Wesley in this episode, too, which I think is really interesting yeah. to note. They mirror Faith and Buffy in a lot of ways, obviously not perfectly. Um, but, yeah, we'll talk about that, too. And then I think it's interesting that Giles kind of mentions like this is a result of human malice and nothing supernatural about it. Um, poor Buffy looks miserable. She really does. In this scene. I think the guilt is just eating her. I don't know what I'm more uncomfortable with. The fact that Faith just seems to be like carefree or the fact that Buffy is just sitting there like completely weighed down by guilt. And then Cordelia comes in. Wesley is like – Oh, you teach psychology? And she's like, I teach psychology. And then Giles just walks by and says, she's a student. Yep. <laughs> he whips his hand away so fast. <laughs> yeah. Which, okay, she's still in high school. It's a bad optic. But there is a, a huge possibility that Cordelia is already 18 at this point. I'm not trying to justify this because I think that the wise thing to do would be to wait until they fully graduate high school before you were to enter into any sort of romantic relationship. Well, but also like maybe – don't assume that if someone walks in the library asking for a book that they're a teacher. Yeah, that's true. Like, it maybe cool. wait and check on that a little bit first. This is why you need to choose actors that are actually the age of yeah. the students. Because I'm watching this and I'm like, okay, but like Chris McCarpenter is like 27 at this point. I think it's just – it's so hard because I watch this. I'm like, I don't approve. But then it's like the way that he acted out was so funny. Yeah, it's also and hilarious. And like, I know this is art or whatever. But he's just like, she is cheeky, isn't she? And I'm like, oh, problematic <laughs> but funny. <laughs> yeah, Faith over there, like two words, jail and bait. They all know. <laughs> Giles is over there like yep. passively, aggressively stamping things to get her out as fast as possible. I mean, this – okay, this may be dramatic, but I – hate that phrase jailbait i think it's nasty <laughs> i think everything about it is so gross well i mean it's referencing something that is nasty so it makes sense um and then after that we have the buffy and faith conversation where they walk into a class and then buffy's like i can't pretend anymore like we need to, maybe we should go to giles and you start to see faith kind of cracking a little bit she's like no you're in this with me which is a manipulation tactic and is like, you're just as much to blame because she knows if she does that, then maybe she can trigger something in Buffy that will kind of do what Faith is trying to do, where she's trying not to bring anyone else involved because she doesn't want to be held accountable for it. Which is, again, 
if we were to have a little episode on faith, she is so interesting in this episode because she goes through so many yeah. like tactics in order to save her butt. And it's like this poor girl is emotionally just all over the place. Yeah. You can see her struggling to make control of the narrative. Um, she's yeah. trying to basically manipulate and gaslight Buffy into thinking that she's responsible so that she will try to save her own butt, which is funny because Faith doesn't know how Buffy responded in Ted. We already have a precedent for how Buffy responds in these situations. Yeah. The only reason I think that Buffy hasn't gone to Giles at this point is because she knows that she will be throwing Faith in the hot seat if she does. And I think she's mm-hmm. trying to be compassionate and kind to Faith. It's an interesting tactic. I th- it is an interesting tactic. And I think it, if yeah. Buffy had been the one that had stabbed Alan Finch, she would have gone straight to Giles and been like, this is what I did, you know? I think she would have gone straight to the police. I mean, we've seen her do that true. with Ted. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But for someone who doesn't know Buffy as much, it makes sense that Faith would try to do that because she's thinking, well, this is what I'm doing. Um, and so if Buffy feels like she's equally to blame, then maybe she'll come and do what I'm doing and we'll be fine. You know, everything will brush under the rug. Right. But also having like two slayers, you could figure out some way to like stage it or um, get rid of evidence or whatever it is. This line by Faith where she says, oh, I see you can pretend that Angel's still dead when you need to protect him, bringing up the events of Revelations and how upset she was that Buffy was keeping Angel from her, um, which I think is really interesting because we have, we've talked about on the podcast how we have not addressed what happened or they have not addressed what happened in Revelations yet. And so it was interesting because then all of a sudden it's like amends and the Zeppo pops up and it's like, okay, Faith is fine. She's just hanging out. Like, we're not going to talk about this. And then it's like, oh, she's not fine. She's still harboring this and still thinks she can't trust Buffy. Yeah. Well, I think it's interesting that Revelations in general gets brought up like twice in this episode because it's the idea of being held accountable. Yes. Um, Do I think that Buffy should have been held accountable to the point of her being held accountable in quotations? No. Um, But there was like – there's an interesting idea. Okay. It's interesting that that was what was happening at the time because Buffy was doing something everyone disagreed with and everyone was majorly up in arms. And I think this is kind of – the idea of growing and understanding that not every problem is as black and white mm-hmm. from the other character's perspective, not Buffy's. Everyone was all up in arms and angry about it. And then in this episode, everyone's like, uh, they're like taking a step back and trying to process stuff that's happening because they're realizing there are way bigger and nuanced issues and not everything should be handled by just a massive blowout like intervention. Um and we'll get yeah. to that when we get there, but it's just it's it's funny or just like being like, okay, Willow, Xander, not everything should be handled like that. Maybe you should listen to the person. Yeah, and I think they're starting to get that. Yeah, no, it's a good point, Tabs. And I think like the whole idea of like subtext again back in Revelations, like they were saying that Buffy's like the subtext of the show is that Buffy's shirking her responsibility. She's choosing the more pleasurable, more comfortable thing being with Angel versus going and actually like doing slang and and talking to Giles about what's going on with Angel and stuff. And so I think there there's a lot they contrast Buffy and Faith subtly so many times in this episode. Mm-hmm. Faith will bring something up and she'll pull something from another episode and we'll all go, no, 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 no. But what did Buffy mm-hmm. end up doing at the end of that episode? And in each time Faith tries to say, you did this, um, referencing Buffy. But no one ever 
pulls up and goes back to Faith and says, yeah, but what did Buffy end up doing? Like Buffy ended up doing the right thing at the end. The writing is well it's done. It's really good. In this episode. Yeah. Well, and I mean, we talked about it in the spoiler section about how we love that Ted, as much as Ted is a triggering episode to watch, <laughs> we love that Ted happened because it showed that when Buffy is put in that position, she made the right choice. Mm-hmm. Even though it wasn't a human, if it was, Buffy was going to turn herself in. Mm-hmm. So I like that we had that because now when Faith has made the same mistake, we can see that absolute contrast between the two and how they react um and then we have this whole interaction with willow and buffy and i i forget that like bad girls kind of frayed their relationship a little mm-hmm. bit um she mentions that she's trying to derat amy and then is this the guy from gingerbread yeah she, she mentioned michael oh, we mentioned michael. yeah <laughs> um and then we have this whole like Oh, I forget this was supposed to be literally the day after Bad Girls. Okay, that makes sense now. I was like, why is there blood still? And the cops are like still getting the blood off of like the the trash can. And then like Angel's watching two feet away. No one sees him. Right. It's supposed to be the day after, but there's actually like a huge continuity error. Because if you remember at the end of Bad Girls, like the whole thing happened. And then the next day, Buffy goes to visit Faith. And Faith's like washing the blood out of her clothes and stuff. It's daytime. This And then this is supposed to be that same day. It's not the same day because they're all wearing completely different clothes and stuff. I don't even think about Yeah, so there's like – which is kind of a weird thing for them to do. Like they clearly – the writers did not jive a little bit with that. But I mean as far as like continuity errors go, it's not a huge deal. That makes sense why I was a bit confused. I was like this feels like it doesn't They should have said like two days later or something that would make more sense. But they already talked about Alan Finch's body being found in the lake. But then the blood's still there. Yeah, actually, that doesn't make any sense either because Buffy was watching the news and it's supposed to be that same night time-wise, right? And so they already already found the body and then we're already airing it. I always thought about how fast they found the body. I'm like, Faith literally probably was walking off the dock and they were like, found the body. Like, any time. They didn't even give them 24 hours to be missing. Like, that's insane. I forget that this is the episode two at the end where like Angel has that whole like heart to heart with Faith because I was like, why is Angel lurking so much in this episode? Is he even going to do anything? And I was like, ah, okay. I remember well, now. Angel's lurking because, I mean, they show it here, but he can smell blood. He smelled the blood on Buffy's hands. He made the like, yeah. correspondence between, okay, something funky is going on. I always forget that the mayor, every time we're at the mayor's office, I just put the mayor's office and I forget we're literally in city hall. Yeah. Um, he's like shredding documents and he's like, this is supposed to make me feel better. <laughs> Which is hilarious that shredding documents is normally what like makes him happy. <laughs> I just think he's such a funny villain because he'll go back and forth between like kind of like innocently like like uncle vibes and then just like sinister immediately after that. Because he's like, oh, was he going to like – was Alan going to betray me? Oh, man. Then I would be able to scold him and then jumps into like a creepy line. And you're yeah. like, wait a minute. I have to say <laughs> at the very end when like Trick gives him the files, like, hey, it was wooden stakes or like wooden shards inside of the wound or whatever. Mm-hmm. And the mayor's like, this is exciting. A slayer up for murder one. That sunshine and roses to me. Like that was the first time I was genuinely terrified of the mayor because he just seemed really sinister in that moment. But also like how scary – like what happens if slayers get put in prison? Well, but also it was so callous. It was like someone died and he just was like shredding paper and then he's like – and he hears that like it was one of the slayers and he's like, wow, I'm so happy. But it was like emotionless. Yeah. It was very, very strange. He's hard to get a read yeah. on, I think. Which makes him interesting because you don't have him figured out yet. You're like, there's still yeah. so much I feel like I don't know about him. 
Um, Buffy and Faith break into the city hall at the exact same time. They go into Alan's office and then we see Faith pick up a picture of Alan Mm -hmm. and kind of have a moment Mm -hmm. of just like relenting. She says, he came out of nowhere. And then Buffy goes, I know. And then like Faith immediately brushes it off and kind of just goes like, well, like, you know, this is what happens or whatever. And it's like, no girl, like if you're feeling something, like allow yourself to feel it. Don't like turn it into something else. And obviously I'm not, I'm expecting Faith to have like these like emotionally mature responses, but it's like, I feel like when you're 17, she's underage at this point and she does something that's like this detrimental. I can't even imagine what it does to someone who's still forming in their brain, you know? And it's crazy too, because we're seeing her have this tug and pull of like, her feeling guilt and being like, I didn't know why, like he came out of nowhere, just like that. And just like sadness. But like you see her immediately snap out of it because she wants to be protect herself. She wants mm-hmm. to pretend that it didn't happen and pretend. So it's like, we're really seeing her inner fight happen kind of in front of us. Eliza Dushku does just a phenomenal job this episode. I think you mentioned it earlier, Tabby, but she has to go through so many different emotions, even just in one scene. Mm-hmm. And so we're watching her like go in and just kind of like joke about things. And then Buffy's like trying to tell her, hey, this is probably not something you should joke about right now. And Faith gets defensive. And then all of a sudden she gets like pensive while she's looking at the photo. And then, you know, immediately the script says, um, at this, Faith's eyes go cold and she returns to the search. Whatever, I'm not looking to hug and cry and learn and grow. I'm just saying it went down quick is all. Um, it's just, you, you really you really know exactly what's going on through her head. She just does a phenomenal job. So good. Um, Buffy mentions that Alan's paperwork is taken away and they're scared that someone's looking into it. And at that same time, the mayor and Trick walk out of the room and they notice that Mr. Trick is with the mayor, mm-hmm. which I didn't even realize that they hadn't put two and two together. And I was like, oh, we've known that for a while now. Oh, wait, yeah, yeah. That. <laughs> right. Well, the creepy part is like the mayor and Trick were talking about putting the Slayers in jail as they're simultaneously yeah. breaking into Alan's office. And then you, the way it's shot, you don't really realize that they're in City Hall until they walk out. And then you're like, oh, crap, mm-hmm. the mayor's right there. So this next conversation with Buffy and Faith in the street, there's a lot that's said here, and I really feel like a lot of Faith's inner drive, and then this is the first time I really feel like that Buffy's kind of breaking the fourth wall when it comes to Faith's facade, and I want to know what you guys think about this. I felt like this scene was the moment that Faith realized that she can't keep Buffy from talking to Giles. You start to see a little bit of desperation mm-hmm. happen, especially when um, Buffy says, let's go talk to Giles. And Faith's like, no way. We're not bringing anybody else into this. And then she, you could tell she gets a little desperate. She's like, you got to keep your head be. This is all going yeah. to blow over in a few days. And I think that's the moment that Faith goes, okay, I've got to get to Giles first. I've got to do damage control. And you can tell at this point, Faith probably has like a plan B in mind and stuff um, is just really, really interesting. Well, then she ends the conversation like right before they leave by saying like, well, I'm I'm sorry about the guy. I really am. But like these things happen. Well, I think we're just seeing Faith use every method she can. She's yeah. trying to like act like it's not a big deal. She's trying to guilt her Buffy um, into saying anything because Buffy – has had other people's backs she needs to have face. She's trying to kind of sway Buffy onto her side by saying, like, oh, we're slayers. Like, 
You don't need to take accountability. Like she uses so many different tactics and you can just see her breaking down. Like, and I also think a lot of it is Faith trying to convince herself. Well, and then she she brings up an interesting idea. She talks about how many people they've saved. And then she's like, well, if one person gets caught in the crossfire, then like it is what it is. Um, she mentions that all of the people that they've saved counteracts and the, how much it puts them in the quote unquote plus column. Yeah. Which is an interesting idea. It's utilitarianism. It's like, That's what yeah. it is. And it's interesting that she brings it up because you see Buffy sit there and she's like, but I don't want to have that mindset. Yes. But I, can, I, can, I mean, we know Buffy really well because we've been with her for almost like the end of three seasons. So we know that Buffy's not thinking that. But it's also fascinating to see the other side of a slayer mm-hmm. and how they could view mm-hmm. death, how they could view killing mm-hmm. Um if this does happen, like we find out later that this has happened with Slayers beforehand, I'm very curious and how that was taken care of in the past. It's so sad because here's the thing. Faith killing Alan is wrong. The thing is, is that she did it accidentally. It wasn't intentionally. Yeah. So the the evil here, the wrong, the bad and all that is the fact that Faith is not owning up to it. And she's trying to actually justify it in a lot of ways and not actually be held accountable for it, even if it was a mistake. And so that's the problem here. And I think that the sad part is that if she just did all those things, this probably would go away rather quickly, just like Giles talks about later on in the episode. Yep. Buff or Faith says they're warriors, they're meant to kill. And Buffy says they're meant to kill demons, not pass judgment on everyone else like they're better. Mm-hmm. We are better. And then Faith says we are better. Yeah. And she says no one's going to cry over a bystander who got caught in the crossfire. And Buffy says I am. And that Poor right there, Buffy. that is the difference between Faith and Buffy. Faith mm-hmm. mourned the loss of Ted, someone who personally affronted her. Like we saw how sick Buffy was over it because for the first time she was confronted with her own power and like she had to take responsibility for when what happens yeah. when she misuses that power. And I would say arguably Buffy killing Ted in that moment, if he was human, well, even regardless if he was human or if he wasn't human, was worse than what Faith did because Faith accidentally – killed Alan. Buffy like was intentionally trying to hurt Ted. Um and so I think that it's just sad that we don't see Faith owning up to any of that stuff because I think that like at the end of the day like I think people would have seen it as a mistake. I think it's hard though because the whole Ted thing like if he was human he was abusive and all those sort of things. And so Buffy, it started out as self-defense and then she got lost in the moment of passion and anger and ended up accidentally killing him. Whereas Alan was just quite literally caught in the crossfire. Like he was like an innocent in the moment. It was like an accidental thing. But I see I see what you're saying. Like, like Buffy allowed herself to get lost in the moment to kill Ted. And then we've seen this film before. Buffy comes home. Joyce opens up the door and then widens the door to the cop standing there. I will say, poor Joyce. Like, <sighs> yeah. I know we don't really see her that much in this episode, but it's like the amount of stuff that she goes through with Buffy, like, and I'm not blaming Buffy because it's like Buffy's, you know, she's fighting the good fight. You know, obviously some stuff is going to happen. But it's like, because you imagine just as a mom, like, constantly thinking your daughter is in a better place. And then it's like, 
another a cop shows up at your door or whatever. At least now she knows she's a slayer, so it's not as bad. This is also the same cop that showed up at her door in Ted, and it's the same cop in Becoming Part One that interviewed um, Joyce and others about Kendra. So I I think that this guy's got to be super sus by now. <laughs> I would be. I love the continuity, though, that it's like the same dude because it's like, well, if there's a small precinct and Sunnydale, it's got to be pretty small, even yeah. though, you know, the how big Sunnydale can be very uh, – argued in this series oh my gosh i know seriously but they have this whole back and forth between you could see the cop having the same like tactics and same questions between faith and buffy and then faith mentions he like he asked both of them like if you know something or protecting someone like just turn them in everything will be much better if you're just open and honest and faith says i'm not the falling on the sword type Mm -hmm. and then buffy says i wish i could help you very different yes i noted that too yep buffy's Mm -hmm. like i wish i could say it was me but it's not buffy doesn't feel like it's her place to say that it was faith and faith's over there like i'm not gonna give myself up well even just like the way that buffy was saying is like i wish i could help you meaning like i literally wish i could tell you everything yeah but i i can't yep so buffy goes to willow's window slash door, which kind of reminds me of Passion because I think that's the like, only other episode where someone's done that. It's not Passion. It was in um, not, Light not of Passion. Me. Um, yes. Yeah, Light of me. Yeah. yeah. Which I was like- okay, well, Also Passion too because how else would you get in? That's true. But also like Gingerbread. Why When they lock Willow in her room, why does she not just leave through the door? Oh, that's true. <laughs> what the heck? She was distraught. She didn't know what was going on. And so she just went on her computer and laid <laughs> on her bed. <laughs> She's like, oh, no, I'm stuck in my room. Guess I'll just sit here. And this part's – oh, I just – I get both perspectives and I just feel so bad for Buffy. Like she's trying to like explain what's going on and Willow kind of still sees it as a Faith and Buffy Slayer thing that she's not invited in. And then she says, like, all of a sudden I'm not cool enough because I can't kill things with my bare hands. And then Buffy starts sobbing. Which I think this is a huge growth moment for Buffy coming to Willow because, again, we're contrasting with Revelations. Buffy didn't go to anybody. And in this one, she actually yeah. goes to not just Giles, but she goes to her best friend, Willow. Um, I'm not going to count yeah. Xander in this. <laughs> I also think that she went to Willow because she wanted to go to Giles but was pretty much forbidden to go to Giles. So I think at this point, she's she's so desperate to talk to anyone and she's like, okay, I can't go to Giles – so who else can I go to? And she's like, well, Willow's the next option. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I like to think that it's also like her wanting to just like get it off her chest to someone she feels comfortable with. And I really feel like we needed this moment between both of them. Yeah. It's really sweet. It's really, really sweet. I, I'm glad they included this. Um, And then we have the whole library scene with – Buffy walking in, you could tell that she's really stiff. She's nervous to tell Giles. Giles walks out and she starts wanting to tell him what's going on. And then Faith turns mm-hmm. the corner. And then Buffy immediately is and like she goes, trying to cover her tracks mm-hmm. and is like, oh, you know, I've been skipping classes and stuff, you know. And then you can see. And Buffy could have ratted Faith out in this moment, but she didn't. Yeah. Once again, trying to protect Faith. But I think also, too, like a little bit like, oh, I've been caught. Well, and then like Faith all goes like, it's okay, Buffy, I told him. And then Buffy goes, you told him. And then she says, I had to. He had to know what you did. And as soon as she says that, she doesn't look at Buffy for the rest of the scene. She feels like 
you could tell she feels bad about it. I mean, but she's like, she's so desperate. She's going to do anything in this moment. But yeah. she like looks away immediately. Well, and it's just like we see the her on Buffy's face because she's just like, like you can just, you you can tell she's like, I never would have expected that Faith would have done this to me. Poor Buffy. She's starting to be like, oh, like it wasn't me. Like, like Giles. And then, oh, Giles was so scary. In this I know, like, right? I mean, like if this were, oh gosh, I would not want to be on the receiving end of this conversation. but. It's one of those moments where like if the first time watching through, if you forget or whatever, you're thinking like how in the world does Giles react this way to Buffy and or why does he not believe her? And then he tells Faith to leave, um, tells Buffy to go inside his office. He walks in and then he's just immediately like, I know it's it's Faith and tells her that he like can tell that she's lying. And you're like, oh, like Buffy's face and body language relax. He's able to sit down. Yeah. This again – Reminds me a lot of Revelations. Remember that conversation they had in the mm-hmm. office? And I love that Buffy like kind of references that a little bit. She talks about, I've messed up before and I know that like I haven't like come to you about certain things. And so I think that, again, the idea of this episode is to show that Buffy has grown and changed since the beginning of the season. She recognizes that having friends around, like it's necessary and it is needed. And we've talked before about how if Faith had a support net – if Faith had people that she had trusted from formative age um, and and had you know parental figures that were positive experiences and influences in her life, Faith would probably be a very different person, be making very different choices. And we see that Buffy is able to feel way less guilty from here on out because she has people in her life that are you know supporting her. You know, now that we're talking about this more. It- I kind of feel like this is more of a mirror of revelations than anything because like when he has the whole conversation in his office and he's like, you have no respect for me or the job I perform, yada, yada, yada. Her coming in and talking to him about everything is her respecting his authority. Right. That's what I was saying. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. Like her going Mm -hmm. in and like wanting to talk to him and like wanting his advice and all Mm -hmm. this stuff is her respecting him. And obviously we all know that Buffy does respect Giles, but we also understand from Giles' perspective that wasn't her respecting him in the moment. But her coming in and like needing and wanting his guidance and his advice is her respecting him and having that whole conversation. This is her taking responsibility. This is Buffy coming totally. in. And even though she wasn't the one that actively killed Alan, this is her coming in and being like, hey, I was I was there and I have information. I need to know what to do next and stuff. So yeah. this is very different from mm-hmm. Revelations, which is really, really cool. Yeah. Well, like rather than like keeping it hidden too, like she's like being honest and open about it immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he, he mentioned something very interesting. He says, Slayer is on the front line of a nightly war. It's tragic, but accidents have happened. And then he mentions that usually the council will – do an investigation, and then give out punishments if punishment is due. Um, and then Jal says he doesn't plan on involving the council, mm-hmm. which is such a good call. Mm-hmm. And I just, I'm very, I'm very proud of a lot of characters in this episode. Uh, the The main Scooby gang, I'm very proud of all their actions in this episode. Because like you could look at all of this, and I think there's one scene where I'm really excited or not interesting. I'm very interested to hear you guys' thoughts on with a certain Scooby character. But with this scene and a lot of other scenes, I was very proud of how Giles, specifically Giles and Buffy, viewed this whole situation with faith. Mm-hmm. They didn't want to just spew out judgments and punishments immediately. They were thinking, how can we salvage 
faith in this moment because we know that she's got to be spiraling. We know that she's in a, at a breaking point. And they were like, let's not bring in the council. Let's let's see if we can help her first. Well, yeah. and I think both Buffy and Giles know how damaging the council can be. Yeah. And now the council doesn't actually care about their slayers. Like, it's really just trying to keep order and stuff. And I think that that's the difference that we're really seeing between Wesley and Giles is the fact that while Giles <laughs> combines <their laughs> names, Giles has learned and grown as a watcher and learned to mm-hmm. think for himself and think of what the best option is, whereas Wesley is only doing what the what the Watcher's Council is taught in. Mm-hmm. And so we're really seeing just the difference between head knowledge and experience. But more than that, like the utilitarian Kantian philosophies here, Giles is falling in the Kantian philosophy in the sense that he's talking about how, hey, if we push her now, we could scare her off and lose her. But also I want to know, like he wants to know where she's at and he wants to know her reasoning for why she's doing these things, um, which is very Kantian. He talks about how he was like, that's why he didn't tell her initially that he knew because he wanted to know how far she would take it. He's trying to suss out what her what her inner motivations are and versus Wesley's over there going oh my gosh loose slayer well okay let's just go lock her away because it's better for everybody mm-hmm. else and I think that it were that's the another mirroring of Wesley Giles versus Buffy and uh, and Faith and it's very very interesting and I think the Watchers mm-hmm. Council unfortunately takes the more t- utilitarian um, or the utilitarian concept of the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. Or just like the idea of between the job of a slayer between Buffy and Faith and then the job of a watcher. Um, wa- I almost said Wiles Tooley. You got the second in my head. Um, <laughs> Giles and Wesley. Um, and seeing the difference between um, like head knowledge and then clocking field time and experience. And then Giles has the experience and so he's a lot more wise in what to do and how to handle these situations with young people who are going through such crazy things. And then Buffy has had way more field time and experience than Faith has. Mm-hmm. And then Faith is on this adrenaline high junkie of like a new job. And so like obviously the two jobs are very different and then the issues between Wesley and Faith are very different as newbies. But it is an interesting idea for like being new in the field of your craft um, for some like extreme jobs and then having to understand like how what's the best way of handling things rather than just on paper or just following your like blind passion and intuition. And so uh, as we kind of like implied, Wesley overheard everything inside the office and then goes to call Quentin Travers, which I think is funny. He's like, the code word is monkey. And he's like, can I just talk to him? Yeah. <laughs> My favorite thing is that they make him spell it. He's like monkey. And he's like, M-O. <laughs> and then, okay. So in this next scene, the Scooby gang are talking in the cafeteria, which I'm like, have we ever seen them like – have like an interaction in the cafeteria. But then I was like, you know what? It kind of makes sense because what if Faith yep. was overhearing them in the library? Or even Wesley. Yeah. Um, and then Buffy kind of mentions that whole thing that happened in Revelations about how like intervention is not helpful here. Um, and then they didn't – none of them like disagreed with her. And I was like, okay, growth. Cool. Mm-hmm. Good job for everyone. And then she mentioned she's like, Xander and I almost came to blows. And then Xander's like, you nearly came to blows, Buffy. I nearly came to loss of limbs. <laughs> 
I like that Giles is like, no, we need to do the one-on-one approach um, because I think that's yeah. even Giles recognizing that I think he's grown too because that was my biggest beef with him in Revelations is like, why is Giles totally. not talking to her one-to-one? This doesn't feel like the whole group should be involved. Um, yeah. So I, I like the whole growth with everybody. I'm like, yay, positive confrontation. I know. This is so good. You could put episodes, I guess, you could put episodes like Revelations and Buffy, (laughs) but then you have to fix it. You can't just leave it unsaid. And I didn't even realize we had this many conversations and this much like proof of growth in this episode. And I was like, you know what? Okay. Mm -hmm. You give us a crap episode episode like Revelations? Sure. But you know what? I'm thankful that there were many opportunities for growth for each character Mm -hmm. in this episode. And I was like, you know what? I'm here for this. Yep. and then Xander, you know what? I really felt bad for him. He was like kind of like in a very innocent, dumb, but innocent way was saying like, oh, like we had a connection. Like like maybe I could be the one to talk to her one-on-one. Giles' face. He's like, um, that's the stupidest idea I've ever heard of. He's I, like, know. I know. He's like not getting it at all. It's so hard because it's interesting seeing everyone's reaction. You see yeah. Giles from a standpoint just kind of being like, no, I don't think that'll work. You see – Willow realize it first Mm -hmm. and her just kind of being like numb. Like I think at this point Willow's just like so frustrated and just kind of worn out with Xander. And then it's like you're just seeing Buffy who's just kind of like hurting for like Xander because she knows how how Faith actually feels about Mm -hmm. those guys. Well, and I mean – Buffy's had actual conversations with Faith about Xander specifically and sleeping with him. So she knows – Ooh, I know. I thought about that. I was like, this is kind of like a it's, – it's a bit harsh, but she doesn't say it in a harsh way. And I think it needs to be said though. Like she No, says, I think like, Buffy handled it well. Yeah, no, I know. I'm just – it's like it's very hard to hear. Like someone like from Xander's perspective, she's like, oh, she doesn't see the guy she has a – and she says a connection with. She could have said people she slept with, but she decided she to was being very in kind. a lighter sense. Yeah. Yeah. And she's like, they're kind of a big joke to her. And then no offense. And Willow just looks like Willow. Miserable. Willow's having a rough time. I really feel for her in this episode. But we'll get to that in a second. Yeah. Um, and then Giles tells Willow to look up the mayor's stuff online and figure out what's going on, get some dirt on him. Um, and they come to a conclusion they're not sure what to do with Faith, but to give her time. And Buffy, Buffy says she needs help now. I owe her that. And then they mention about the mayor realizing that there's something funky going up with the mayor. And Giles is like, well, mm-hmm. it's clear we need to look harder at him. He's up to something. Um, I have a theory that Buffy probably went to Angel after this and was like, Angel, I need help with what to do with Faith. Because um, – Well, they seem to be on the same page yeah. the next time we see him together. Right. So like, at some point they like connected and – and decided to do something about Faith. But, okay, so this next scene, um, the song is Wish We Never Met by Kathleen. I'm probably going to butcher her last name. It's Will Hoyt, I think is what it is. Okay, so she's an actress, and you guys will probably know her best from – she played in Gilmore Girls, and she was oh, really? Luke's sister, Liz Danes. No way. Yes. Yes. I love Liz. And that's her singing this song right here. What? You're Isn't that joking. crazy? <laughs> yeah. What in the world? There's so many like alum from Buffy that yep. pop on to like Gamble Girls, but they also like 
would watch Buffy on the set of Gilmore yeah, Girls. That's right. so funny. Isn't that in funny? The world? Yeah. So she's an actress. She's been on like a ton of other shows too. Oh. Well, I, yeah. Like I just didn't know that she was a singer. Like that's, yeah. that's so funny. Yep. What in the world? Yep. Crazy. I mean, okay. <sighs> Hear me out, guys. Okay. okay. I'm listening. And people can judge me all they want. Okay. Whatever. I will. This is my opinion. This is a fictional character. It, this is your podcast. You can I, say your opinion. I'm going to get so much crap for this. I don't think she's justified in being upset about this. <laughs> Burner at the stake. No, no, go ahead. I kind of pissed no, me I off. No, I agree, Tabby. I agree. Thank it you. Okay. It doesn't piss me off, but it's one thing where it's like, I understand having residual feelings for people. I understand that. Uh, but I think that it's one thing where it's like, Willow, you are in a fully fledged relationship yeah. with someone that you claim to love. You've already cheated on them once with Sander. If you have any residual feelings, why are you dating someone? Like, it just – in my mind, I'm like, Willow, like, you don't have the right to cry about this anymore. Yeah. Like, I understand being hurt and stuff, but it's also like, Sander is not yours. Like, he never was. Like, But also, after you guys cheated, you made the decision to move on, let things go. Like, not only just in season two when, like, he was – Oz was so patient with her when it came to the whole Xander thing, okay? You're in the beginning of a relationship. I understand the residual feelings. Whatever that – that is a pass. We've all done that before. Um, I think he was an unintentional rebound and then she really started to fall for him. And then season three happens. She cheats on him. Not happy about that. We've already talked about that. Whatever. We've moved on. Oz and Willow have moved on. Willow and Xander have moved on. At this point, I'm exhausted, girl. If you're crying over him having sex with with someone else, then either try to be with him or just let it go. He's not yours. You guys have been friends. You've made multiple steps of moving on. It just this seemed out of place for where we're at in the season. It seemed like this should have happened episodes ago, but at this point, it's like we've moved on. I've moved on as a viewer and I'm a little bit annoyed. I'm just like, okay. <laughs> like, and it's hard because it's like Allison Hannigan is so charming and cute. And like, anytime she cries, I want to give her a hug. But then I think about, I'm like, Willow, I'm, I'm upset with you, but I love you, Allison Hannigan. You know, it's just like, she's a little mouse. She's so cute. I love her. But like, I don't know. I'm not like, like, I'm not like pissed. That's a hard, harsh word to use, but it's just more of like, I'm exhausted. Like these, this is just too much back and forth. And like, as a viewer, I've moved on long ago. All right. So before I talk about my opinions in this scene, um, I think, again, this is another clear parallel with Innocence. Um, the speech she gives Xander when she finds out Xander's with yeah. Cordelia. It just means you'd rather be with anyone else than with me or with her than with me. Um, it's Someone you hate. Yeah, someone you hate. That's what it is. Um, so I think that this mirrors that a lot. So I agree with your guys' thoughts. Um, I think, though, that this scene is not just about Xander. I think Willow has been feeling lonely this entire episode. How is she – like, let, let's look back at the very beginning of the episode. Willow's not feeling great, and that's before she even knew Xander was with Faith. And so I think that she's feeling left out. I think she's feeling like Faith is taking all of her people away from her. Um, I think that she's probably felt – 
left out her entire life until she met the Scooby gang and they felt like her people, people she could trust. And so I think that watching Buffy hang out with Faith and not wanting to include her, now hearing that Xander's now been with Faith, I think it's just the icing on the cake. And so I think what she's feeling right here is just absolute loneliness and hurt. And this just tipped it over the edge. So when she's crying, um, I'm sure there's some hurt over Xander, but I think it's just the absolute like build of everything, like just absolutely just making her want to cry. Um, I think Will is just having a really bad day, a really hard time. And it's one of those mm-hmm. days that you just need to go cry it out. And so I, I think I'm able to look at her with a little bit more sympathy because I don't see this as just being uh, sad over Xander. I think this is just Willow wrestling with a lot of stuff. I think I love that lens on this scene because I hadn't even thought about all this stuff prior. My thing is, as a viewer, I I the placement of the scene makes me feel like it's because of Xander. Sure. I wish that it was a little bit later after we find out that she chokes him. I feel like that would have been a perfect placement because I think, oh, it's because of the feelings that Faith brings out in her about her quote unquote, sharing her people. I get that. I 1000% understand that mindset, understand that side of pain for it. I just think the whole crying in the bathroom scene right after we find out about that seemed a little bit like it was only because of the whole Xander. But also even the terminology like, oh, I don't like faith sharing my people's. I kind of rubs me the wrong way because it's like, I understand being hurt and being lonely, but it's also like, you don't have a right to your friends. Yeah, sure. no, I agree. And I agree with all of that. I think I look at Will a little bit more sympathetically just because I've had those days where it's like, I know I'm like sitting there crying. I'm like, I know I have no right to be hurt about that, but it just feels like a compounding of emotions I was already feeling. Um, and I think too, I and this may be completely me projecting, but what was the last like really big interaction we saw between Willow and Oz was in amends when she's all like, Hey, I'm ready, I'm ready for the next step. Like, let's let's like have sex. And Oz tells her, like, I'm not ready for that. And I kind of feel like you're not ready either. Um, and so there's probably a little bit of like Willow maybe feeling left out in the sense that now she knows that Buffy has had sex and Xander's had sex and she hasn't and she's not completely sure where or her maybe relationship. everything's on a standstill in a lot of ways. Yeah, a lot of relationships are at a standstill, right? And we don't really know where her and Oz are at right now because we haven't really seen them. And he's nowhere in this episode, which obviously we know Seth Green was busy, but I think that actually makes a lot of sense for the story because Willow's over here going, "I just kind of feel like I have no one." Um, and so I don't know. I I agree with what you guys are saying 100%, but I also think that there's a, maybe a little bit more sympathy that could be had for Willow just because it's just the situation feels compounded by loneliness. And like I could totally understand her loneliness. I'm just talking about like I I felt like that scene was just for the Xander sleeping with somebody. Sure, sure. But if that 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 scene is through the lens of what she's been going through, I'm totally for that. It's not very clear. Yeah. Yeah, totally. But like with you giving that new lens, I have a newfound appreciation for that because I can view it now. I I can choose to as a viewer view it through right. all of those different things. Um, Will in this episode is very interesting. Yeah, she is. And I think I'm able to do that because it's not like Willow was all happy peppy for the entire episode and then sure. that happens and sure. she's mad. She was sad the entire episode and that was her breaking point. Yeah, that's true. That's true. This scene, man. <clears throat> and then this whole motel scene, I just – I feel for Xander. It's hard to talk about. It's hard to explain. Like, I think we all know what scene this is, but 
even he says like when she keeps being all aggressive, he's like, so you're, I, I see you're trying to hurt me, but right now you need someone on your side. And he offers to testify for her in court. Like he's being a good friend. And she even, she, he comes in, he starts talking about things in like a friend term and he mentions his ground rules right away. He's like, I'm not here for that. And then she makes things sexual. She's like, oh, like, you know, I don't remember what she said, but she, she, every time he mentions it about her and trying to help her, she'll mention something sexual right after that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just like, there were so many signs, his body language, his sincerity, like him mentioning no and very different capacities. Like, it's just, it's sad. It's hard to watch. And I really feel for him. Well, I mean, at the bare minimum, even if you take choking out of it, she's like sexually assaulting him. Oh, for a hundred percent. Yeah. He's saying he's saying no. Yeah. He said up front, I'm not here for that. Like his body he's like trying like you can see him trying to move. Like mm-hmm. it's just like it's just it is disgusting to watch. I feel so bad for it's him. It's very uncomfortable. And yeah. then on top of it, she strangles him. Yeah. Like it just keeps getting worse and worse and it's like and if Angel wasn't there, but like, I really think that she would have killed him. Uh, I just it's I feel really bad. The the things that she makes like while she's choking him, she says, I can make you scream, I can make you die. It's dark. She's she's unwinding, like she's just she's losing it at this point. Um and then Angel comes in and knocks her out. She wakes up in the mansion all tied up and says, Finally decided to tie me up, huh? Like again, she's just her default is like make things sexual because I'm uncomfortable with my emotions and my vulnerability. Oh, I love this scene between Angel and Faith because I feel like for the first time this entire season, I'm like, Angel has something to do. Like we're actually seeing Angel like using well, what he's this is learned. Such a good, yes, yes. He's using so much of what like he's kind of putting on his shrink angel clothes on, yeah, you know? Yeah. But like in a way of like he has past experiences and he knows exactly how to handle people who are on the brink of breaking. Mm-hmm. Um this whole conversation, I just again, I'm very proud of the core Scoobies in this episode. I really feel like everyone just like everyone makes sense for their character, but everyone is just like all their scenes are really interesting. They're really well done. Like they just are really holding their own. And like Angel in the season, it's sad because it's like he seems like he's more of like a kind of like a outsider at some points mm-hmm. and it makes me sad a little bit but he's just he's grown so much and every time he's on screen ever since amends you're just like so proud of like his outlet and like how he views life and like his support for buffy has just been so great um just him as a character i just wish that he had more of a like prominent role rather than just like a like emotional support for Buffy, which I'm, I'm all here for. Like if, if, you know, if mm-hmm. I'm a Angel fan, like I'm here for that mm-hmm. aspect. I just wish that he was given a little bit more as the Angel character in season yeah. three. But I really feel like him and Faith's dynamic is so good. And it was like, whoa, why haven't we seen more of this? But it makes sense because like she's at her breaking point. So having this whole interaction and having this moment with Faith is what we've been needing. And I just... I love that they did this. I think Angel's not been in a place to help out up until now. I think that he had to deal with his own stuff, and I feel like now he's dealt with it. He's come out the other side. And I think this is why, like, for everybody who hates amends out there, this is why amends is important. If we hadn't seen Angel walk through his own crap and, like, realize 
that he needs help and that he needs to keep fighting, this whole conversation, this next conversation would not be as impactful because we wouldn't have seen Angel actually struggle and wrestle. We'd be like, why are you talking to Faith? Instead, Angel has earned his right to speak. Well, but it's also like when he's talking to her, you know it's real. Right. Like everything you're saying, you're like, Angel is the perfect person to be saying all this because he really has been through it. And I, okay, I just, I know we've, we're like, I'm going to keep talking about Angel, but I also want to say Buffy too is just oh, so sweet. She's over there trying to help. She's staying out of it. She's letting Angel take care of it, but she's also like, what, what can I do? Um, and then Angel saying right now, there's nothing you can do. Um, and it says, uh, it's really interesting. The script says, we see Buffy waiting like a worried parent. Angel moves to her. Buffy says, how's she doing? Angel, like talking to a wall, only you get more from a wall. And then Buffy, what do I do? Angel, gently, right now there's nothing you can do. And it says, again, Buffy can't hear it, brightens at an idea. And then she says, I'll go to Faith's place, get her some of her clothes and stuff. That way she'll see we're on her side. Then then we want her – that we want her to be comfortable. Angel, it's not a bad idea. And then you can see that Buffy doesn't fully understand what Faith is going through Angel does. And Angel recognizes this, but he also sees that Buffy wants to help. And so he's going, yeah, that's something you can do. That's something you can help. But Angel doesn't want her to get her hopes up because he knows like how someone that is this deep into their own addiction, their own pain, um, they it, it may be hard for them to get out. But I also wanted to be noted that Buffy is the last person holding, holding on to hope for her. Right. In the conversation with Giles, she's saying, she needs help. In the conversation with Angel, like, he's saying, like, you know, I don't know if we can get through to her, all this stuff, and I don't know if she wants to be helped. And Buffy's like, no, she does. Like, we keep going, like, even though Faith is the one who has hurt Buffy the most, Buffy is the one who is believing in her the most. Yeah. It just, it breaks my heart. Angel says, don't get your hopes up. She may not want our help, Buffy. She does. I know it. She just doesn't know how to say it. She's so young, too. Like, when you really think about that, I would not have be giving this much grace to my friends at that point in my life or even sometimes now I have to fight myself by being like goodbye you know yeah but it's like she has moments so many moments where faith has hurt her faith has manipulated her like and and been like just very aggressive and she's still sitting there being like she doesn't have the words to say like I know that she really wants help I know that she wants like me to help her and I was like trying to think of different ways of showing her and it's I'm just so proud of her I'm like oh yeah. Don't let it be said that Buffy did not do everything she could to bring Faith around, to embrace Faith, to bring her into the fold. Like Buffy did her best. And then Angel makes a good point. He says um, she's taken a life and she's got a taste for it now. So he's trying to like kind of warn Buffy just in case things don't happen. He's like, like she's chemically like rewired now, mm-hmm. you know? And so I don't know. It's, I, I just love that they had Angel in this interaction and be this person. And I'm just, I'm glad that, and he's been very delicate with talking to Buffy about this, been very delicate with Faith. And like, again, I'm just so proud of everyone in this, in this episode. So the mayor and Trick realize, they look at the security cameras and realize that both Faith and Buffy were inside of the building. They saw both of them. Um, and the mayor's like, all right, Trick, you got to do something. A more efficient solution is what he says, which essentially means go take them out. Okay, and then this scene with Angel and Faith. Oh my gosh, I, I, I don't think I can love it anymore. <laughs> Faith, you have a choice, and you've tasted something few ever do. 
I mean, to kill without remorse is to feel like a god. Right now, all I feel is a cramp in my wrist. Let me go! But you're not a god. You're not much more than a child. Going down this path will ruin you. You can't imagine the price for true evil. Yeah. I hope evil takes MasterCard. You and me, Faith. We're a lot alike. Time was, I thought humans existed just to hurt each other. Then I came here. And I found out that there are other types of people. People who genuinely wanted to do right. And they make mistakes. They fall down. But they keep caring. Keep trying. If you can trust us, Faith, this can all change. You don't have to disappear into the darkness. Can I just say that... uh, Freaking Wesley. Well, no. I don't care about that. Whatever. It's going to happen. But the whole him starting out by saying, I used to think that, that humans were only here to hurt each other. And then he says, and then I came here. I found people who genuinely want to do right and who make mistakes and they fall down, but they keep caring. And he's talking about Buffy. Yeah, he is. He's totally talking about Buffy. It's just like, this is why I'm just such a huge advocate for their relationship because we wouldn't get Angel and we wouldn't get who Angel becomes in the future without Buffy, Mm -hmm. without their relationship. They had such a pure strong, caring, nourishing relationship that it made each person better and it made them better going forward. Mm-hmm. Like, and like, and we see a fruition of this right here, but then he switches at some point and says, if you can trust us, Faith, he's now seeing himself like that. Mm-hmm. Someone who, who makes mistakes, falls down and then gets back up again. And it's just, this is the angel we've been deserving after amends. This mm-hmm. is what we've been needing. We've only seen him for a little bit since then, but it's just like, I'm just so proud of him. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's crazy too, because you're seeing her actually soften mm-hmm. like you're seeing her actually listen for the first time in the whole episode she's listening to what someone is telling her because it's coming from an area of like i get it he's giving her a choice too he's telling her you don't have to become what you think you are now he said you don't have to disappear into the darkness he says that right before freaking wesley opens up the door <laughs> and then takes him away but it's like he was literally about to be like you have a choice now you could choose to like lean into what you think you are now based on one mistake or you can own it, take the steps that you need to and keep fighting and be the person you want to be, which is basically the whole speech that Buffy had for Angel. Mm-hmm. And it's just like Buffy had a nourished Angel in their relationship and then Buffy had the whole like amends conversation and bringing Angel out of the darkness and amends. And then now Angel in a healthy place can do that with faith. And this is how life is. And this is why these scenes are so important because that's one of the reasons why we do these things, why we bring ourselves out of these things, why we do good, why we help other people because it's ripple effect. And Buffy helping Angel, Buffy helping her friends, Buffy helping Giles. You see the fruition of that. This is why Buffy is such a good character is because it's like Giles is not the stuffy Wesley type that he is because of Buffy. Willow and Xander are now better people because of Buffy. Like they have each other now. They have this tight knit group. Like 
angels better become fluffy. And then now we could see Angel helping or trying to help Faith. And this is what it's all about. Yep. Oh, it makes me so sad. If Wesley hadn't come in, I wonder if Faith would have turned around if the things would have changed. But I do love like what you were saying about you know Angel saying, you have a choice because that's exactly what Buffy said to him in amends. She says, you have a choice, Angel. We always have a choice, um, which I think is very important because I think Faith in this moment probably doesn't feel like she has a choice. She's like, I just feel trapped and scared and I just want to uh, run away and protect myself. And the only way to protect myself is to completely push everyone away from me. And Angel's going, no, you actually do have a choice this time because there are trustworthy people here. All right, so freaking Wesley comes in, completely upends the entire situation. This and it just makes me mad because oh, it's I like, know. A, Wesley, everyone was handling it perfectly without you. <laughs> B, the way they treat Angel. Uh-huh. When he is literally trying to help, they treat him like an animal. They lock him up like an animal. And the look on face eyes when, like, you can see for a second she's almost, like, thankful and then he like walks her up and she's like, really? Like, it's just like, oh, everything about it makes me so mad. I hate it. And the script says her eyes darken. This is this is the moment where she's like, there's no turning back. Whatever moment was there between her and Angel is just, it's gone. All right. So Faith and Wesley are inside of the van. Wesley just is way too smug about this. Like, there's just a lack of empathy and compassion here. Even if you do believe what you're doing is right, do you really need to lord it over someone? You know, like he says, the first priority of myself and the council is to help you. And it's like, okay, well, putting someone in chains is not really a good show of faith. Ha ha ha. I'm starting to get why they named her Faith now. Um, faith grabs one of the henchmen, threatens to pop him like a grape unless Wesley lets her out. Wesley lets her out and she ends up tumbling out of the moving van and she just looks incredibly lost. Um, and then back at the mansion, Buffy finds Angel. And so then in the library, they all have a conversation about what to do next. Okay. I feel like out of all the Scoobies, Willow's reaction, even though I don't like it, makes sense for her character. Mm. Um, She, out of all of them, I think that she struggles with empathy outside of how she feels. Mm. And I think that – her feeling upset about all the stuff that's happening with um, Faith and Buffy and Xander is completely fair. I'm not discrediting how she's been feeling. Like, I totally understand that. Um, but then it's like, if this were happening to her, I feel like she would expect everyone to throw her many bones and to be there for her and to walk her through it. And so her response when she says, like, she asks, like, why would they want her to come back? She says that she's murdered someone, accused Buffy, and hurt Xander, and says, I hate to say it, but maybe she belongs behind bars. I don't know. What do you what do you guys think about that? Because it's like out of all of them, and it's it's not that it's like a it's not that it's an outlandish idea. I get it. She's done a lot of things, and a lot of those things are really horrible horrible things. It's just when they're in a line of work where they're trying to save souls and help people, I really feel like a reaction like that is not what is helpful and or should be said. But what do you guys think? I just think that ultimately the final call on Faith should come down to Buffy and Giles because Giles is the watcher, well, honorary watcher, and Buffy is the other slayer. 
I think that I understand where Will is, Will is coming from. I don't think that it's like, I don't think that her saying that is unkind. I think that ultimately Faith does deserve to go behind bars. Like she killed someone. Do I think that's the best course of action for her situation? No. Um, just because she can do a lot more good on the street and helping people than behind bars. But I don't think that Willow's reaction is necessarily like super devastating to her character. I think that it makes a lot of sense. And I think that like not wanting Faith to come back is an understandable, understandable response from Willow seeing all of her friends be hurt by this person. And that's what I'm trying to say. It's not detrimental to her character. I just think that like out of all of them, it makes sense that she would say that. But it's also like if this were happening with her, she would expect a very different response than that. That's an interesting take, Tabs. I don't know that I see it as maybe Willow being a little hypocritical in the sense that like she would expect something different for herself versus for someone else. Um, I, I think I agree with Leah in the sense that she handled it well, but I think it's really interesting to note that this is a very similar to position to Xander's position in season two about Angel slash Angelus. Xander was like, I think we should kill him. I don't think we should um, help him and stuff. But Xander was a lot more aggressive about it and his motivations, he was never upfront about his motivations. Like he tried to make it sound like he was being all noble versus Willow's over here going, I know I'm not objective, um, but she's still bringing up her good points. Like we talked about in season two, Xander had good points. He just did not represent them well. And he was just kind of smug about it and didn't bring into account Buffy's um, feelings and stuff. So I think that it's really, really interesting watching Willow. Now, if, if if we're bringing in the whole like surprise and innocence thing, like if Willow's taking the place of Xander and Xander's taking the place of Buffy and Faith is taking the place of Angel, like they're all kind of swapped positions and we're seeing a lot of these same issues coming to light is Faith, should we give her a chance? And you see Buffy She's the only one that has not changed her position. She's over there advocating for Faith just like she did for Angel, which I think is really interesting. She's like, no, like she's out of control, but Angel was getting somewhere with her. She was opening up if we could just stop Wesley. So I don't know. I I think that yeah. it's it hard. is hard, but I think it's just really interesting to watch all of the characters wrestling mm -hmm. with things that we've already seen in season two, you know? And I feel like if it were to come out of any of any of the characters' mouths, I feel like the goody two shoes who hasn't done anything anywhere near that level, um, of course she's going to view it as put her in jail, right? Not let's save her soul. Well, but also uh, Willow has the least connection to Faith, right? Therefore, sure. she has the sure. least stake in what happens to Faith. Yeah, you know, Xander thinks that they have this connection, or that they did. So, therefore, his emotions are tied into it. Buffy is. That's her fellow Slayer, so she, they're connected on, like, a very personal level. And then you have just, like, Angel who sees himself in her. Mm -hmm. And then mm -hmm. Giles – Has a past with stuff like that, Has too. a past, but also mm -hmm. she is still a Slayer. And Giles is still, a, like, a Watcher, you know? But I feel like they all have a lens, kind of like what Leah's saying, but also they all have a lens of going through things, so they're able to kind of view her differently. What I'm saying is Willow hasn't – really gone through much so far to have her be a little bit more empathetic for outside issues other than her own. That's what I'm trying to say. Um, and then we have that whole argument with 
um, Buffy and Wesley saying that like you terrorized her and that you sent her out into the streets. And then um, Wesley's like, I was trying to save her. Oh, that was, sorry. That was Angel who said that. Um, And then he says, but you didn't, you probably destroyed her. That was Buffy. And then we're back on the docks. Oh, hey. Buffy finds Faith at the docks. And Faith goes, you don't give up, do you? And Buffy says, not on my friends, no. And then she kind of like spews out all these things like you and – yeah, like you and I are such good buds. And then Buffy goes, we could be. It's not too late. And then Faith's reaction is very telling. She says, "For oh, for me to change and to be more like you, you mean? Little Miss Goody Two-Shoes, that's not going to happen, B. And then Buffy goes, well, no one's asking you to be like me, but it's also like – Everyone's telling her or implying that she can't, she has to reject a lot of her natural instincts. And so I think it is in this scene, it is very interesting to view it through the lens of like repressed sexuality because it's like this whole idea of like everyone's telling me to be like you. I'm repressing what I feel is natural in this situation. Everyone's telling me to be like you, to be good, to, to be all these things, whereas I don't want to be those things. And she's kind of forcing Buffy to kind of look at her ideals and be mm-hmm. like, why do you think this way? Or like and, – and it's interesting because it's like and, – and we mentioned this earlier a little bit. In, the, in a season where Buffy is, for lack of a better term, sexually dry with Angel um, – and they are in a relationship, but not in a relationship, and they clearly love each other. And then Buffy has to reject that whole side of herself with Angel, and she's not allowing herself to feed into that at all. And then she's trying to view slang as like linear, whereas Faith is seeing it horizontally, and it's like they are ha- coming at it from two very different perspectives. But I can see how like if Buffy continues in this trajectory, she's going to be a little bit more of a cop rather than like a vigilante or someone who's a warrior who's trying to help people. And I think that Buffy is very empathetic, but it's like if you're viewing things from one way and you're rejecting some other part, like that's a huge part of yourself. And if you can understand and marry the, the two of them, then like you're going to have a well-rounded experience in life. Buffy's also trying to reject an aspect of herself and Faith's going, no, embrace it, like, you know, and revel in it. And I think part of being a slayer. slayer. She's terrified of that side. And Faith's not wrong, but Faith's also going like in like running with the ball. You know? I think it's interesting that Faith says, you want me to be like you. I'm not I'm never gonna be like you. And Buffy's like, no, no one's asking you to be. But then the next thing that happens is Faith compares the two of them. And says, you know, you're like me. You enjoy hurting people. You, we are killers. Um, we're above the law. All this other stuff. And so, what we're seeing is Faith is trying to carve out a path for herself. She, I think, she does want to be like Buffy. Um, I argue that's my take. I don't know that she necessarily wants to be with Buffy. I think or she, she wants feels to. compared to yeah, by she, Buffy, right? Through everyone else, right? And we talked about this in Faith, Hope, and Trick, and in the other episodes where Faith has really struggled with the fact that she's supposed to be the only Slayer, but there already is a Slayer who's amazing at her job, and everyone's comparing her. Um, and Faith is going, okay, and you can see this is this is leading to the mindset of Faith going, where can I go that I can be my own person, be someone completely mm-hmm. different than Buffy? And that's ultimately what leads her to but the But also it reaffirms like her ideal of herself and slang if she can convince Buffy of that side of her. Yeah. Because it affirms right. how she views things. So she's like, if I could convince Buffy and, and show her this 
huge side of being a slayer, then I'm not going to feel crazy. I'm not going to feel this way or that way. And everyone comparing me to Buffy is going to make me feel at least a little bit better because everyone's telling me to be the side of Buffy that Buffy is only allowing herself to be, not the other side of Buffy as well. It's interesting. Faith says, what bugs you is you know I'm right. You know in your gut we don't need the law. We are the law. Passion of the Nerd talks about how if Faith truly believed that she wasn't doing anything wrong, then she wouldn't be hiding it. She's actively hiding it. And then she's over here like, I don't need the law. I don't need accountability and responsibility. And the show has clearly shown what happens when someone completely rejects responsibility and accountability. It's not a good thing. And then Faith kind of rankles a little bit and talks about like, having sex with Angel, you know, dug it when he was psycho. Ugh, not not cool, not cool at all. And I really feel like if you're if you're trying to like sway Buffy of her like little bit more of a yeah, darker side, that's I feel like that's the right. not the right tactic. <laughs> yeah, you're smaller not being all. like, hey, like you feel a little bit charged after killing demons. You know what I mean? Like start there. Don't be like you liked it when your boyfriend was psycho and killing your friends. Yeah. It's like yeah. maybe not yeah, that. Yeah, probably the the least uh, compelling <laughs> time to be with him. Okay, so question for you guys. So Faith says, see, you need me to toe the line because you're afraid you'll go over it, aren't you, B? You can't handle watching me living my own way and having a blast because it tempts you. You know it could be you. So question, do you guys think Faith is right? Does Buffy actually feel that way or is she projecting? I think she's projecting a little bit, but I think that that is an interesting insight. I I could see how that could be a situation if it was another slayer. But I don't think Buffy necessarily views it like that. I think that she genuinely does things because she cares about people. And it's not that she's void of mistakes. But I think that through the lens of what Faith is feeling, then she could see Buffy like that. I think it's a bit of both. I think that Buffy has really learned a lot from Faith in a way of what not to do and like kind of learned her own limits and stuff. Um, but I also think a lot of it is projection. I think that Faith is trying to use anything to make Buffy the bad guy. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's I think it's a bit of both. I think we've talked again about how Faith really wants to project onto Buffy because it makes her feel better about herself. Then she has to, she can't say, Oh, there's something damaged about me because look, Buffy feels it too. She's trying to drag, we talked about it. Bad people try to drag good people down to their level because it makes them feel better about themselves and it justifies their actions. Um, But there is also a kernel of truth in what she's saying. There is a part of her that tempts Buffy because like her and Buffy are the same. She's her shadow self. Um, And Buffy does need to embrace a part of that, um, which she, I think she has done to a certain extent. All right, so then the fight scene, Buffy saves Faith's life when the crate comes down. We end up having this fight, and Trick ends up getting the best of Buffy because, you know, Buffy was still hurt from the crate falling on her. And you see a moment of Faith kind of like fighting between this is my chance to run away and then her deciding kind of like her – In her brain, it's her rejecting the good, but then choosing the good in that moment, which is what she was challenging Mm -hmm. in Buffy with with the darker side. Um, Mm -hmm. And there's that moment where they're both looking at each other after she stakes Trick, which rest in peace, Trick. Sorry, you were on too soon. Another person of color. (laughs) True. It makes me mad because I do feel like it's a waste of a character. I like that it opens the door for Faith, but I feel like – he didn't need to die for like they could yeah. work together or something. I don't know. It just 
I feel like Mr. Trick had such a cool opening and, and he just his his storyline fizzled out. Yeah, he was a really, really cool and compelling character. It's it's a it's a bummer. Um, I also want to point out too, like Trick says, I hear once you've tasted a slayer, you never want to go back. And that's kind of a twist on the once you've gone black, you don't want to go back kind of statement. Um and that was actually an incredibly racist <laughs> statement. Um, it's been taken over by people of color, black people. I think they have um, changed it to make it more empowering. But I do want to recognize that there is a racial connotation with it too. Um, and like, it's really important to recognize that. And also in connotation with the fact that, once again, another person of color is dying and it sucks because he's a really great character and a very and underdeveloped character as well. Like, yeah, yeah. like, yes. yeah, we had someone of, of color for like half a season, but he was very sorely underdeveloped and underused. Yep. So, R.I.P. Trick, we really wish you would have stuck around for a little bit longer. Um, the shot of Faith staking Trick to save Buffy and the dust clearing to show her face is really, really interesting because it actually bookends this episode and Bad Girls. So in Bad Girls, at the beginning of the episode, Faith does the same thing for Buffy. She uh, stakes a vamp, saves Buffy, the dust clears, there's Faith. And then at the end of this episode, same thing happens. And they think the symmetry is really compelling. Um, at the end of the day, they're connected. They are connected not only by slang, um, but by the fact that they share common experiences. Um, and so I think that like the mirroring is supposed to show us that like perhaps there is hope for faith after all. Well, and then even at the end, like they have that whole moment where they look at each other and then you see Faith realize and then she shrugs off like the kill as if she's uncomfortable with the fact that she did a good thing. Faith seems like one of those people that just wants to run from her emotions yep. and doesn't want to embrace them. Well, and sit I, with them. we saw that in like Alan's office. She looks at a picture mm -hmm. and she has a moment of being like, he came out of nowhere. And Buffy says, I know. And you could tell that she's like, she realizes what she's doing and she's uncomfortable. And then she shifts it off and then like adjusts herself and is like, well, you know, like that's what happens or whatever she says. Mm -hmm. But you could tell that like this girl, first of all, needs therapy. It's like, stop trying to change mm -hmm. your emotion into something else. Like, sit in it for a little bit. Like, you need to process it. Mm -hmm. And then in the library, they talk about how she saved her. And Buffy says she could have left me there to die, but she didn't. And then Giles says she still has a lot to face before she can put this all behind her. And then Buffy says, I'm not going to give up on her. And then Giles says, then I think she stands a chance. Inside of the... The script, it says, she still has a lot to face before she can put this behind her. But yes, she has a real chance because you didn't give up on her, which I think is really, really cool. I think it's important to note too, and I forget this every time, is that at this point, Buffy and Giles don't know she goes to the mayor. Like we're seeing her go to the mayor and we're like, oh my gosh, we think she has a chance, but like, is she gone, gone? And yet, you know, the characters are over there going, oh yeah, yeah, we can still save her. And we're like, ooh. I don't know. I know. It's just sad because you're seeing all this hope being poured out for nothing. Not for nothing, but not on the right person right now. Right. So then Faith goes into the mayor's office, essentially says, hey, I'm up for the job for the person that I just took out for you. And they're now supposedly in cahoots. 
Dun, dun, dun. So before um, we end, um, All Things Philosophical says this. He says, so Faith repressed her initial horror over Alan's death. Then she tried to justify her actions by telling Buffy that Buffy had a lust for the kill that could make her take a human life too, although perhaps not as easily as Faith could. Buffy adamantly denies this. She also claimed to want to help Faith, but it was never easy for Faith to trust people's good intentions. And at that point, she'd lost any trust she had in Buffy and the gang. Then Angel's confrontation and the force supplied by Wesley and the Watchers made Faith feel the pressure of her denial. At that point, flirting with evil was a relief and a way to spite Buffy and the others. I thought that was very clear because sometimes I feel like this episode is a bit abrupt. Like we're like, whoa, oh my gosh, this feels like Faith just like escalates and escalates and escalates out of nowhere. But I think it is important to note that like there is stuff happening and like where Faith is at with all of this. So – I don't know. That's that's a that's a hefty episode. That is a lot. And I'm really really excited to talk about where Faith's arc goes in the next few episodes and um yeah, we've it's, a, it's just yeah. a, such a good part of the season. I just feel like this is one of those times where I'm like, "Oh, like I just know people are going to like be looking forward to this cuz there's so much in it." But thank you for trusting us and listening to us talk about such a hefty episode. Um we hope you enjoyed our thoughts on it. Yes. Thank you so much for listening, you guys. Um, we want to know what you guys think. Do you guys think Faith is projecting? Do you think there's truth in what she's saying? Let us know. You guys can email us at becomingbuffypodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram, on TikTok, on Tumblr, Becoming Buffy Podcast. Uh, as always, guys, thanks for listening, and we will talk to you next